In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who does talk to us. Dear brothers, sisters in Christ, it's Super Bowl Sunday, just in case you didn't know. Today, we probably, probably everybody in this room is going to watch the game. The game that is going to be played between the New Orleans Saints and the Indianapolis Colts. And no matter which team you're rooting for, probably somebody tomorrow is going to talk about the game with you. And depending on which team you're rooting for, that might be a little bit of a sore spot for you, or it might not. But either way, even if it is a bit of a sore spot for you, you can always talk about the commercials. Because that's something that we all love about the Super Bowl. That's something that we're all interested in when it comes to that game. In fact, for the past several years, I really haven't followed NFL at all. And so the Super Bowl comes around, and I really just don't care about the teams. But I do care about the commercials. In fact, tomorrow, while some of you might be muting the commercials, I'll probably be muting the game and turning it on for the commercials. Those commercials are fun. And one of those commercials that we know really well is this commercial that's been out actually since 2004. It's this Verizon wireless guy. This guy who walks around and he says, Can you hear me now? And that commercial actually comes from 50 real employees of the Verizon network. It's 50 real people that they send out in these strange, heavily equipped vehicles driving over 100,000 miles every year to test the Verizon network. And they send those people out in order to make sure that if you're a Verizon customer, that you're able to get good service that you're able to hear the person on the other end and that they're able to hear you. Our readings today talk about some places where God lets human beings know that He can be heard very clearly. Our readings are two stories, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, where God is almost yelling at the people that he's talking to. The first of those is this story that we have from Isaiah, where Isaiah, in the reign of King Uzziah, sees the Lord in all of His glory with these seraphs. And don't get seraphs confused with cherubs. Cherubs are the cute little baby-looking things. Seraphs, those are big, mean angels with six wings, and they're crazy-looking. In all of His glory, God is showing who He is. And it causes Isaiah to cry out, Woe is me, I'm a person of unclean lips. And then God comes and wipes away his uncleanness with a coal that's touched to his lips. 
And then in the Gospel reading, we have Jesus showing exactly who He is, that He is God. When He tells Peter, go out a little bit deeper here and let down your nets. And you're going to get a whole bunch of fish. In fact, so many fish, in fact, that your boat is almost going to sink. And that causes a realization in Simon Peter. Simon Peter, a fisherman who knows what fishing is like and knows that this is not normal. And he says, leave me, I'm a person who is unclean. It's as if God does those things to get our attention. To let us know that he's there, to let us know that he's talking to us. Yet, sometimes... We get the sensation that, yeah, maybe God did that before, but He's not doing that now. God's not telling me what to do now. In fact, it's almost become a joke in our society. If anybody says that God told them to do something, you kind of look at them a little bit strange. And we even begin to get this idea in our minds that uh, that God is somehow being sort of coy and mysterious with us. That He's telling us less than what we actually need to know about Him. We get this idea that God is holding stuff back from us. That God isn't letting us know really what His reality is all about, and what His reality for you is all about. There's this old kind of tired joke, pardon me if you've heard it, of a monk who gets to heaven. And this monk gets to heaven and he begins to talk with God about those questions that have always been on his mind, that thing that we always probably think that we want to do the minute that we get to heaven. We have these questions that are unanswered that we want to ask him about. And so this monk gets that opportunity and he's talking with God and before he begins talking to him, he's sort of giving him a little bit of a resume about himself. Which is pointless if you're talking to God, but we'll talk about that later. And he's saying, you know, God, I was a monk. I I, uh, hand-copied a copy of the scriptures. I fed the poor. I worked with your people. I spread your message. I was celibate for 25 years. And God says, what, 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 what? And the monk says, well, I was celibate for 25 years. And God kind of chuckles and goes, I guess I should have spoke a little bit more clearly. I said celebrate. But sometimes we're afraid that that's what it's like with us. That maybe we're not getting the whole message from God. Maybe there's something that we're missing. And some of us have probably spent nights rolling around, tossing and turning in our bed, wondering what God's will for us is. And thinking that it's something that's so mysterious, that's just beyond the horizon of what we can know. That's not really true. 
Yeah, there's some stuff that's a mystery. There's some stuff that we don't know. Like when we take communion, we know that that is Jesus' body and blood given for us, but we don't know how. And so there are those things that are mysterious, but God tells us what we need to know. God knows if we need to know it. And He tells it to us. He tells it to us in His Scripture. He tells it to us in places like this where we're able to comprehend what that Scripture means. He tells it to us. Mark Twain is one of my favorite authors. He's got several really great quotes about Christianity, but this is the top one in my book. Mark Twain once said, Some people are bothered by what they don't understand in Scripture. Me? I ain't bothered by what I don't understand. I'm bothered by what I do. There's stuff in the Bible that is unendingly clear about what God's will for your life is. I mean, we hardly have to go beyond the little celebrate insert in the middle of our bulletin to really understand that God has some stuff that He wants us to do. God has a mission for us, a purpose for us. If you look in Isaiah, that purpose seems to look like He wants us to go and speak to people even if they don't understand us. And He wants us to respond to His call by saying, Here am I, send me. In Psalm 138, it seems like He's telling us that He wants us to praise and give thanks for all of the great stuff that He's given to us. In 1 Corinthians, He wants us to understand who Jesus is and what effect that has on our life. That it gives us salvation. That that cross up there wasn't just a flourish, but that it actually made you His sons and daughters. And then here in Luke, that He wants us to be catching people. There's plenty in just those four readings, probably for us to base our entire lives around. And yet, often we say, well, that one's not for me. Uh, God wasn't talking to me there. Uh, God was talking to somebody else, I'm pretty sure. And I guess you can probably say that. But I don't think you're right. In fact, I think it's kind of a dodge. And I think that's what God would say as well. But yet, we're faced then with this conundrum of knowing that His will is clear, and that His will is sometimes bothersome because it points out what we don't do. That we're left being the ones saying, Woe is me! I'm a person of unclean lips, of unclean hands, of unclean feet, of unclean mind, of unclean 
everything else. What am I to do? And it's there that we go back to His Word. His clear Word of what His will is. Because of all of the things in His will, whether that be catching people, whether that be giving Him praise and thanks, His will, most of all, is that He would have a people that are saved. A people that He can spend eternity with. That He can live with you for beyond your comprehension of time. That's His will. That He loves you enough that that is His number one thing. And that's why He went to a cross. That's why that was the greatest act that we have in this Bible. This collection of His will. That's why it all points back to His death and subsequent resurrection. Because that's what His will for you is. And He's screaming out of eternity, just hoping that you'll hear that. Just hoping that you'll hear, I love you! I loved you enough to die on a cross for you. Can you hear me? Amen.